Today we have, yes again, an incredible guest and one who I have been very inspired by and, and an issue and a topic that is so close to um, our, our agenda around climate realism that um, at the same time it's also very different. It's a subject that we wouldn't ordinarily hear about or speak about and the title of the subject today is Incredible Breakthroughs to, to Protect Endangered Species. Incredible Breakthroughs to Protect Endangered Species. And the person who is with us today and pioneering this in his own way is a gentleman called Dr. Monet Delaray. And I'm going to call him Monet for the purpose of the show, but he is an absolute authority in this domain. And we're going to talk a lot about him, his story, what he's doing, where the breakthroughs are going to come from, and something that will shake you up at the end of this episode, I can promise you that. So, Amone, welcome to Straight Talk. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show today. No, thank you very, very much. And thank you for having me. It's for me, it's an honor and a pleasure. Yeah, likewise. And I have to say, the conversation I had with you just a few weeks ago, although it was brief, it has thrown up a lot of questions around the state of the planet, the state of species, and uh, caused quite a bit of anxiety in my mind, I have to say, uh, with what you shared with me. And uh, I'm sure with that anxiety, there is also a sense of relief because you're doing what you're doing, the good work you're doing to protect these many endangered species, which you'll tell us all about today. And uh, while I don't want to give the game away right now, I want to first start by working on uh, understanding who you are. So uh, please tell us about what you do today in your life and what are you doing that is revolutionary or breakthrough um, like for, for, for species that we feel are endangered or uh, short in numbers or short in supply. And then I'd like to spend a bit of time around you and your background before we jump into the good work you're doing, because I think you, you know, you're based in a, in a part of the world, South Africa, that um, I absolutely love. I've sp spent a lot of time there, had some of my best breaks with my partner there, experienced the people, the, the, the culture, the food, uh, and just the vast, uh, you know, expanse of land. And um, I'd love to know who you are, who is Monet? How did you get into this game? What's your background? What's your story? Because without a story, you know, um, we're missing the real, the, the real oomph, the real magic in what you're doing. So firstly, what are you doing? Tell us about the work you're doing. And then let's talk about you and, and Mornay, the person, before we get into your work. Uh, yeah, after I, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a very family man. I, I love my family. Um, we started off as a family business. Um, everything we do, we do as a family. Um, my children, my wife. Um, so, so very, very much um, part of me is is my family, who I am, what I do is for my family, with my family, etc. Um, in terms of what we do today, um, we I'm trying actually to heal my hip today, but um, but but work-wise, I'm um, trying um, to do any type of assisted reproduction on endangered species so so functionally to get, to earn money i i do assisted reproduction on cattle so i'm a cattle guy in him, basically and uh, but having that knowledge uh, to utilize it to save endangered species so, uh, so we've done work on sable antelope brown antelope villabias or new uh, buffalo and uh, and the last five six years really uh, tried my hardest to to get this assisted reproduction going with um, with rhinos and uh, and to see where we can get to have this in vitro fertilization cloning type stuff done with with rhinos for the sake of conservation and uh, and to save rhino species as well. Right, and uh, of course we're going to unpack that in a moment. So you, you, you're in South Africa. Which part of South Africa are you in? Yes, I am um, in South Africa, uh, but uh, we, we come from a small town called Bretz, which is close to Pretoria. And uh, I, uh, I love to, to talk about Bretz because it's really this remarkable little 
rural town, but uh, there's many sportsmen that comes from from Brits, and there's many scientists, a uh, guy that has developed um, nuclear power for South Africa comes from Brits. Uh, there's musicians and singers that comes from this little place. And uh, we, we're below the Harabiesburg Dam. And, uh, and there's a big saying is once you've drank the water of the Harabiesburg Dam, something changes you. And um, so, um, so, so yes, it's close to Pretoria. And uh, it's on the southern part of what we call the Bushveld. And uh, the Bushveld is basically the gateway into the, the, towards Kruger Park and towards the northern part of the country where you get the wildlife species, the, the so-called uh, big five area as well. And um, so for me, that is remarkable being situated in that area. That's also just on the northern part of the cattle country as well. So, um, right. so, so geographically, we are very well positioned and uh, to, to be effective. Um, okay, South Africa is not very, very big. But if you were, for instance, living in Cape Town, you can maybe work on penguins and a few seabirds and uh, the, the fine bush as you, as you know it. But, um, but that area and the fact that I grew up as a rural boy, I mean, I was on the farm the whole time, either on horseback or catching birds and uh, rescuing animals and, and stuff. That's how I grew up. Um, my dad is a vet as well, was a vet, sorry, and um, um, and and my mum, she loved plants, and so so my whole upbringing in this rural town as a farm boy um, definitely made me who I am and and my love for 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 nature. Um, on top of that, coming from South Africa, you cannot, even if you grew up in a in a city, you cannot not love nature because. As soon as you go outside any 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 city, you you you're part of nature, and uh, and that's something that people must understand. Um, also, coming back to who we are, uh, we we African, um, and and that that falls uh, on the palate of a lot of people a bit wrongly because I'm also white and a, what they call a Mzungu or a Malungu, and or a European, but uh, we, I'm 12th generation African. So, uh, so I've got no connections whatsoever anywhere in the world. I mean, uh, for 12 generations, I mean, people are called American and there are only two generations in America. And uh, so I'm very, very much African. And, and that Africanism of, my, of us makes us being part of nature and with nature and, and, and your whole essence, your genes, your blood, everything just... Uh, is vibrant, passionate for being part of nature, but also helping, assisting, and 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 all the bad stuff that we've done in the past with with nature. I mean, the human race. Um, we we definitely, um, in myself, my family, we try our best to to save the little bit we can do, and uh, so so that that is that is it. Wow, that's amazing. And I, I love the 12th generation versus second generation example you gave. I think um, it's, you know, I think when you're thinking about how you've been conditioned in a certain environment, like you said, you were, you were on horseback, you were, you're comfortable in that environment. You know, I think about the, the, the vet from the Western world who um, hasn't got the background you do. I mean, it's, you know, the sciences are taught in a particular way, vet sciences are taught in a particular way in a more contained environment, in a more sanitized environment, right? Where your connectivity and interaction with animals is uh, measured, if you want to call yeah. it that. It's quite extraordinary. I mean, I, I've never thought about it, but, uh, you know, for someone who is living and breathing uh, this ecosystem that's just your ecosystem I don't think you know it feels like it's very natural for you and how therefore you would then connect with species and different animals and different families of animals physically to do your work maybe a little bit different to someone who's not as comfortable being in the thick of you know 
uh, a whole bunch of different uh, species around them. And I think maybe it feels like that could be a bit of a advantage that you have in the work that you're doing now and the way you, you spoke about it when I spoke to you quite a few weeks ago. And so let's migrate to that for a second. So you have started with this amazing childhood and background and in, in, intertwined in your family is this way of living, 12th generation in Africa, in South Africa. And you're now uh, taking your learnings around cattle and you've extrapolated that out into other species because you think you can make a difference. So for, for the lay people out there, because of course this is a specialized topic, explain to us firstly, why should people care as to whether there is, you know, the need for any form of reproductive uh, progression in another species? I mean, what's the problem here? Uh, and it might sound obvious to you, but I think it's important you articulate it. What's the big serious issue here going on with endangered species? Um, I, I just want to quickly touch on what you, what you earlier said. Um, uh, it, it is so funny if we talk about animals and how you just understand animals. I mean, and all of us, we just understand it. And we're not animal whisperers and, oh, you've got this connection or whatever, but you just understand it. Um, it, it is sometimes for me so funny that people are taught these sketches. If a wolf's ears are like this, it means this. If a wolf's ears are like that, it means something else. And And that's just common sense. It's not something that you need to be taught and and it doesn't matter who of our family it is they all just know it because you you feel it you you just realize it you just grew up grow up with it and and that helps a great deal um understanding the essence of animals and uh, why they're part of us why they're part of nature why they're part of the bigger picture the circle of life um and and why we part of them as well um uh, we've, we've we've got a, a saying here uh, also in in South Africa if you if you eaten today thank a farmer and uh, so so that's very very important that every farmer in South Africa is also a conservationist because he takes care of the land because he knows that it's where it where it comes from and and why I'm saying this because it carries on into your your question because if we don't have nature, we, we, we don't have the genetic diversity, we will also not have a farming population because we cannot have a monotone um, environment. We need genetic diversity. So it doesn't matter if you, um, whatever you, um, you do as a farmer, if you do maize or you do cattle farming or et cetera, et cetera, you need genetic diversity, you need diversity because within that diversity, lies the success of nature within that success of nature is for me and you to have food on the table and uh, yeah even if we eat some people are vegans and some people are carnivores like me but that that's okay but we need the diversity at the same time with wildlife species within this genetic diversity or diverse population that we we have to live within we have to live alongside each other, but there still needs to be a diversity. And um, so it doesn't help us removing portions out of nature because we lose that diversity. And, uh, and that makes part of the circle of life or the trees or the, the, the tree of, uh, of life, not the, not the physical tree. And, um, and, and all of that plays a role within an ecosystem. And uh, if we cannot take care of ecosystems, we, we're not going to have food later on because, again, it comes back to that monotone environment. And um, so if we have just cabbage, for instance, on thousands and thousands of hectares of land, what else is going to grow on the cabbage? A few bugs and, that's, and a few birds. But that's about it. I mean, we're losing that. So, so, so my idea with it is to keep on creating a genetic diversity or a species diversity so that this whole ecosystem stays healthy. And that's very important for a healthy ecosystem. Um, first of all, conservation starts off with habitat protection. You cannot have 
any conservation without our habitat protection. And that's sometimes for me where scientists and, and conservationists miss each other. They, the, the, the scientists say, oh no, we've got to do this and this and this and this, but they forget about the, the food that that animal has to eat, the grass and the trees and the leaves and whatever. But the conservationist, he says, oh no, we just do habitat protection. But he forgets about how do we multiply the animals? How do we breed the animals? How do we keep them alive, for instance? Yeah. And uh, so we've got all this carbon um, offsets and carbon that America is uh, producing. That goes through the whole world. I mean, that carbon doesn't just stay um, over America. It comes to us as well because it's part of the, the global warming issue. Okay. But coming back to me, so my point is I'm just one of the very small um, uh, links in the chain, if one can say it, of doing a little bit. Conservation starts with habitat protection. The next thing is animal protection. Okay, but now we have that. How do we yeah. multiply the animals that's already in danger, the animals that are already on the critical list? Yes. Those two is very critical for their survival. But if we can multiply them or we can create genetic diversity by moving genetics from one area to the other area through assisted reproduction without having to move the whole animal, taking the animal out of his environment and bringing him to the next environment. So first of all, he, he loses or he's got immunity for this environment so he can get the diseases of the next environment. Other option is he has a disease and he takes it to the to the newer environment. Yes. Just think about COVID. What we what we spoke about COVID all this last year. Oh, people are stopping the movement because you can contaminate other people with your COVID or you can contract COVID on that that side. The same with animal diseases. So they are in symbiosis in an environment with their diseases. And they don't die of these diseases because they are happily herd immunity that a lot of people understand. But now we need that genetics to go to another area where they need that genetics. So if we can take semen or embryos or other forms of genetics that does not transmit the disease or can contract the disease. Uh, I mean, it, it just makes such common sense for me that understands it really and I mean, hopefully after this program, people can understand it better. Yeah, that's fantastic. You touched on so many very important points. And I, I re the first point that I think is is definitely worth recalling, which is the conservationist versus the scientists. It, it sort of reminds me of other analogies, similar examples in other fields and in other industries where you always have factions who have good intentions and have a mandate to do whatever they need to do. But actually the connectivity and the interrelationship between what one wants to achieve and the other wants to achieve is totally broken and there isn't one and it's well i'm sad to hear that that, that exists here as well um so that's one where do you where do you put yourself then then what are you in this are you a scientist are you a conservationist are you a hybrid i'm a hybrid you know, i'm very very much a hybrid and that's that's so much that that becomes again back to my roots i mean being being uh, a, a child of nature, a bushman. I mean, like we we grow up in the bush, basically. So, so I'm a conservationist at heart and at soul and everything. My my whole blood pumps conservation. However, how do I achieve it through science? It's it's not wrong. And I a lot of time I say to people, it's not the one or the other. It's the one and the other. I mean, yes, communication is so important for the people to to marry these. Um, to entities and, and stuff and 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 so so yes the hybrid is a is a nice is a nice way and um, so so I just say conservation through science right. is is not wrong right and when you think about so when you go back to the example of the genetic example of the herd immunity the ecosystem and then you're taking certain um, you know the semen of the the animal or whatever other aspects of it and you're moving it to another ecosystem what well, tell me a little bit about sort of the uh, pros and cons of that uh, i am again what what are the implications of that to the wider ecosystem it cannot just be well it's a no-brainer we should all be doing this all the time maybe it is 
but what are the two schools of thought there? There's got to be someone who says absolutely, and someone else who says totally not, Mone. I mean, what is wrong with you? And so, do you, is there some equilibrium there? Are there ethics involved? How do you draw a line? I just want to understand the pros and cons of this. That's now creating the herd immunity and the pros and cons about that. That's your question. Well, the, the pros and cons of taking, uh, you know, the genetic properties of one moving yeah. it to another ecosystem. I'll follow. Okay. They, I think people, there's not people against it. They, no one is against it. Uh, everybody say, yeah, you go, boy, we, we have your back. And yes, we gotta, we got to create genetic diversity. There's nobody against it. we got to save animals. Nobody is against it. Everybody believes it. we got to save animals how and the implications and the luxury that we sit in that stands in the way a lot of times about um it's like america that that says uh, they they will not stop spray cans being used the the the, the, the luxury lifestyle of them we're not going to stop flying because the luxury lifestyle we're not going to use public transport we each one of us will drive in his own car it touches our right. luxury, whereas, but then quickly, oh, but you guys, you got to protect it. You guys got to do the conservation. You guys got to, so, so I think that's where, where the problem lies. So it's not a question of people is, is against it. Everybody is for it. But, um, I, and sometimes I also see um, uh, a feeling that we get in Africa and, and that's a feeling and not a fact and, and maybe a little bit controversial. So let's throw it on your program. Um, is that we, um, we've got the feeling that the European world, I want to change their ways, but right. if they can throw a lot of money at it, they, they, they soothe their conscience a little bit. Uh, okay, I can live this because I've given my $100 to some group or some whatever yeah. thing. And um, and then then we can sleep well again tonight with our um, five bedroom, seven flushing toilet, yeah. um, multifunctional uh, electricity, Siri spoken house, whatever or Alexa. Yeah. And uh, and but then we chat because we did give a hundred dollars to to those guys in Africa. Uh, but keep let the money come. I'm not against that. I mean, I. Uh, so, yeah, so I think that's a little bit of a, a changed answer of your question, but I think that is the essence of it. Right. And then you, when you think about the situation that we're dealing with, and you've talked about the ecosystem, you've talked about habitats, uh, you've talked about the implications of habitats being, as you call it, monotone, right? Then uh, adding more diversity and getting to a point where there is greater integration and there's more diversity of species and uh, there's cro you know uh, cross pollination of sorts that that you can uh, catalyze probably the right word catalyze at this point then uh, t tell us you know what is the um, going back to the need and urgency what is what is going on on the planet with endangered species right now i mean some of us know that you know certain certain species are in single digits some of us know some have been absolutely wiped out all over the world i mean it could be you know uh, on land it could be in the water and so on uh, there are some very important numbers here aren't there that i think it's important you share with us that should shock many of us in terms of the situation of a certain species um, and so tell us what you know as to this species is dying out this is dying out this is how much is left of this because i think we need to get our heads around this don't we that that is that is tremendous i mean i i don't live in the world of endangered species okay so so that's not my forte that's not my um my study line, my study line is assisted reproduction. Yet, within that, I know that there's only two northern white rhinos left in the world. Two northern white rhinos, okay? Two females. Only way that we ever can multiply them is if we use semen 
that has been stored through assisted reproductive technology and then do in vitro fertilization on them using the southern white rhino as a, as a surrogate. And the southern white rhino is the most abundant rhino species of which there's only 10,000 left. Now we think, oh yeah, 10,000 left, that's fantastic. That is an animal that roamed the whole of Southern Africa from the equator down to, to South Africa with 150 to 200,000 200, rhino, not just a century back. We've got 10,000 left of them. Sumatran and Javan rhino is between 80 and 140 animals each. Um, Indian longhorn is 1,200. Black rhino is 3,000 rhino. So the most abundant rhino species is 10,000. Who will have to act as a surrogate for the animals who's only two left? Then we have um, giant sable. The giant sable is an animal that occurs in, the, in Angola, in the war-stricken areas and uh, where they are being poached daily for bushmeat trade. And, and I mean, that is, that is what it is. There's, there's less than 70, 70 um, giant sable left in the world. That's an animal who, if you talk to a lot of people, they don't even know about that. The Hirola from Kenya, there's 250 left of them. You have never heard, from the frown on your face, you've never heard of the Hirola from Kenya. Um, Grevy zebra, which is the most beautiful, bless you, most beautiful zebra in the world. Very fine lines, black and white, white belly, big ears like a donkey. There's between two and 2,200 left of them in the world. And um, uh, forest buffalo, they estimate there must be a between 1,000 and 1,200. These are angulate species that I'm talking about, plus the rhino, the five rhino species. And one must yeah. understand within a rhino's biome, the, 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 the area around a, a rhino, um, there's over 300 organisms that's dependent on rhino. So if the rhino species um, disappear, there's 300 other species that's either got to find another source or somewhere to live, or they just die out. And okay, now we talk about bugs and we talk about worms and we talk about stuff that is in their intestines and all the... the, the, the the doodos and the and the insects as well but it's still it's 300 if one of them then actually can adapt to another environment to some other species they will directly be in competition to another species who has this happy medium with another animal so so now they're going to start attacking this um this other species so now Either they're going to die out or you're going to cause a massive fight with two, mm -hmm. two different species just because of one animal, one species that die, dies out. Mm. Sounds like human beings and the situation that we're going through on the planet right now. <laughs> oh, like I tell you, you're talking here about an about a animal lover. I, I wouldn't mind a few humans less. <laughs> like, don't quite know. Yeah. What, what, uh, that, is, that is quite fascinating. And then when you think about the techniques that you're using, and you've touched on assisted, uh, you know, um, reproductive techniques and methods and so on. So, so help us understand. So, what happens here? Um, what are you actually doing? And how, uh, you know, how repeatable is that process? I, I guess it might be easier with one animal versus another, or is it like, nope, no issues, got the technique. You, you know, you get to the animal physically, you work your magic and off we go. Let's tell, you know, I know it sounds super simplistic, but walk us through how the assist, assisted uh, reproductive method actually works today. Where does it work best? Where does it work not so well? And where is it untested? Okay. Now, that, that is quite easy. Um, okay. Assisted reproductive technologies or IRTs or arts, as people like to call it, because some say it is an art to be able to do it. Um, okay. It consists of a few things to, 
to, to get people's idea around it. First of all, artificial insemination. That means semen of the male animal is injected into the female animal. And, uh, and, and a lot of people that does not know of it in animals can think about it in, in a lot in humans because this is all being used in humans as well. So artificial insemination is being used. So it's not um, naturally done and uh, it is artificially done. But the oocyte is produced or the egg is still produced in the womb of, uh, of the female animal. The semen is just injected physically into it. Secondly, right. you also talk about either embryo flushing and embryo transfers and, mm -hmm. and or in vitro fertilization. So embryo flushing is where the animal itself produces the, the, the oocyte. You inject the animal um, hormones. So instead of one embryo egg produced, there's multiple eggs being produced. That is then mm -hmm. fertilized normally by artificial insemination couple of days later that embryos are being flushed out of the cow and then implanted into surrogates. In vitro fertilization is just a little bit sidestep to that is where the eggs are retrieved out of the female animal and that is then kept into a test tube like we talk about test tube babies or a petri dish. The semen is then taken and then put to that um, eggs to get fertilization and then that's being grown grown in an incubator uh, for a number of days until it reaches an embryo stage. That embryos are then implanted into surrogates or back into the animal itself, like with humans. And, um, humans that can't have children, they go for IVF, test your babies, uh, the, the, the embryo is implanted back into the, the mother itself, or you can get surrogacy, um, uh, like in the same with, with same-sex marriages, for instance, then you get a surrogate or one of the, the two um, is, a, is, a, is the carrier. So, so that's, that's the type of idea. So those are the easy explainable ones and the easier ones that are being used worldwide. The next step would be what in layman's terms are called cloning, but it's actually called nuclear transfer. And, uh, and the idea to explain to people it's you don't make a mini-me. You don't make a big animal. Now suddenly it's a small animal. You take a piece of the ear. You, you take the DNA out of that piece of the ear. You put it into an, an empty egg. So meaning like if it's the egg yolk, the DNA is being taken out and you implant that DNA into that. And then you grow that embryo then. So you hoax that oocyte or egg that it's fertilized. Yeah the DNA from the from the um, donor animal and then that thing yeah. the embryo is then grown until embryo stage that then is implanted into a surrogate and a baby is born a small calf is born as not a mini me and it's like a twin and that's it doesn't have any connection to the donor it has no connections like vibes or anything nothing whatsoever it's just Twinning. It's just literally like a twin. Um, like naturally what happens in, in the womb, you get identical twins. They split into two and then they each grow. This is twinning that's being created nine or 10 or 15 or whatever years later. And, um, and then the next step of somewhere where we are not yet, but that, that is also part of things that scientists are working on the future, it's called induced pluripotent stem cells. So we understand stem cells that can be formed into, into any cell type, and, uh, but that you normally get out of the bone marrow or the umbilical cord or an embryo is also um, a stem cell. But now you can take a skin cell and you chemically induce it to become a pluripotent stem cell. So the research wow. that we do for saving the species is also research that we do in terms of stem cell research for treating diseases even in humans. I mean, so so this whole research is also interlinked with a, with a lot of other stuff as well. So you do research to save the species, but that stem cell research for causing induced pluripotent stem cells can be transpolated to humans to making stem cells 
to um, help people that had, had a uh, heart attack, for instance, or infarct, infarct in the heart. So there are, are other uses as well for, for those technologies. So basically, if we then take those te techniques, first of all, I, I talked about genetic diversity. So yeah. you get, because there's no migratory patterns anymore, because of roads, fences, um, borders that have been created between countries, um, there's no migration. There's, there's huge cities in between. So in, in South Africa, Southern Africa, we talk about the east-west migration. And in, um, uh, in East Africa, we talk about the northeast migration that needs to take place, of which the great migration of the Vilibias or the news um, is an example. So if there was fences in the Ma Masai Mara, that migration would not have taken place. That animals would have died out during the drier months. Boom. That, that's an example. Okay. But now we get these pockets, uh, the bongo. Oh, I didn't even mention that as an as a endangered species. There's only between 22 and 27 wild bongo left in the world. And they're in three different um, uh, forests in, in Kenya. And uh, the Mount Kenya one is already uh, completely uh, extinct, the, the wild population. But now, for uh, this, there's in Florida, in the States, and in Texas, there's a lot of um, bongo, mountain bongo left. If we take that bongo from Florida and we take it to Mount Kenya, which they've done, and then they release it into the park, all those animals die. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them. And the reason is they have mm -hmm. no resistance to the, the diseases. But they've got mm -hmm. genetics, which is valuable for the genetic diversity of those 22, 27, two, two, between 27 animals. So if we can take semen from them, inseminate through artificial insemination into this population, we can create genetic diversity within this 22 animals. That 22 animals will then suddenly having a new gen genetic line that makes them stronger type animals, which have hybrid vigor. And we talk a lot in, in the animal world about hybrid vigor, um, which is important for, for survival. Um, another example is um, in Zimbabwe, they, uh, they have the Zimbabwean black rhino. And in South Africa, we've got the black rhino, which is called the Southern black rhino, which are ecotypes difference of each other. But if we take the South African black rhino to bring them into Zimbabwe, they struggle to sustain the, the, the bad nutrition of Zimbabwe. So that Zimbabwean animal is a hardier animal. But they depleted because of poaching. Seriously depleted. So they need new animals and new genetics. So mm -hmm. you cannot just have the bull and the bull's son jumping and mating with the mother and the sister and then the Next generation, they just keep on mating with each other's genetics and brothers on sisters and, and fathers on daughters and whatever. So you need new genetics. And if we can move those genetics through assisted reproduction, you produce a genetic diversity. You're making stronger, bigger, better animals that can sustain either the, the harsh conditions or the environment much, much better. Mm. Even if you do move an animal and it can survive, that animal, if it's a bull, and here you have a herd of, let's call it bongo again, but this bull has to dominate this group of um, other bongos. But he's not used to exertion of dominance to this, habit, this animals in this habitat. So, so, so he will stay separate and they will stay separate. So he will never infuse his genetics because of hierarchy, because of herding instinct or lack thereof. And uh, so, so the uses of this assisted reproduction just in the wild for causing genetic diversity is there. Now we talk about extinct, extinct animals like the northern white rhino. Yeah. The only way to get that northern white rhino back to life again is to um, 
to do uh, in vitro fertilization with that last two northern white rhino with semen of the seven different bulls whose semen were stored. Yeah. Now we talk about banking of genetics. Fortunately, some wise people, scientists, crazy scientists, bank that genetics. That genetics now can save those northern white rhino. Even today, I say, let's save impala, buffalo, all abundant species. Let's save their genetics because we don't know when, a, when an epidemic strikes or something happens to the, the, the population. But when we have these genetics saved, we can, um, we can bring back the genetics from a frozen, what we call a frozen arc or a, or a, or a banked population of genetics. We can literally bring back that genetics to to protect us from inbreeding of these these animals. Mm. And uh, so 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 yes, so just here in a nutshell, I've given you a whole lot of examples how this technology can help us do conservation. Your your part, next part of your question, the sustainability of this, and the the how how long do you go ahead with it? Once you have given a rebirth to the population, you have introduced genetic diversity mm-hmm. through conservation of habitat protection, animal protection. But now you have created this vibrant population. It can go on by itself. So it doesn't have to be a, an intervention over and over and over and over again. The only intervention that comes is that we must stop killing them. That, that, is, that is an intervention. But we don't have to repeatedly do this technology. Ease of the technology, um, also one of your questions was, it has been sorted out for cattle and domestic animals quite a lot. It's easy to work with these animals and to do it over and over again and until you are successful. It was done in cattle. Eventually, it was then done in humans as well. And uh, so it can be transpolated and there's a little bit of parallelism from the one species to the next species. Yeah. But, for instance, um, rhino is completely, completely different. So you cannot use any one of these um, species that has already been discovered, uh, the, the technology has been discovered. You cannot use that as, a, as a, an example. Yes, you know IVF can be done with this technique, but what media do you use? What technology do you use? and to, um, to multiply um, the genetics or to, to be successful at this. That's all got to be discovered. And uh, the, even, even the, the tools that we work with, that's got to be designed and discovered. And uh, like the rhino that we work with, uh, first of all, where is the ovaries in a rhino? You cannot Google that. You cannot go onto a platform and say, where is the... Okay, you, you will not find it as top of the, of the questions in, in Google. And uh, you've got to discover it. You've got to find it in the rhino. And it's a two-ton animal that is four meters long and one and a half meter wide and one and a half meter high if it's lying down. And, uh, and, and yes, the ovaries are in there somewhere. Secondly, what apparatus do you use? Now, we, we just order it on Amazon. 48-hour de- delivery. No, it doesn't work that way. You've got to design and, um, and develop it all by yourself. You, you can have nowhere where people can de- um, tell you that you, oh, just use this or de- just use, use that technology. So every species and for every species, you've got to um, basically design <clears throat> apparatus. You've got to design um, a protocol on how to do this and how to do that. And that's something I said 20 years back. I said, let's work on impala. Let's work on abundant buffalo. And then people said to me, yeah, but they're not rare. Right. Now right. we are working with rare sable and we are working with rare white rhino. If we did that 20 years ago when they were abundant, we would have been able now to save them. So, So for me... There needs to be a lot done, not only on the endangered species. There needs to be a lot done on the abundant species because we don't know what's happening 20 years, 50 years, 100 years down the line. 
We didn't know that the Russians is going to infiltrate Ukraine mm -hmm. last year. Do you think, I mean, this is a, a, a beautiful summary. I mean, I've taken some notes as well because it's an education. Do you believe the, um, I mean, if you think about the factors that affect an ecosystem, right? Here we, you touched on a few horrible ones like poaching and so on. And then infrastructure. That's a really interesting observation as we've divided land and commercialized and built and built and built and built for all of the reasons human beings know they like to build things for. That's also had a massive effect, a negative effect on migration, you know, and we no one really thinks about it, of course, ever. And um, are there other aspects of the climate change uh, sort of after effects that you're seeing as a hybrid conservationist and scientist that are having massive negative impacts on species uh, that you should tell us about? For me, human intervention, human um, progress, we, we like to call it progress the whole time because we have a faster car, we have a better car, we, I mean, we're progressing, we have bigger houses, so we make progress. And, um, and, and for me, that is the biggest downfall of animals, without a doubt. Any single bit of the so-called claim to make progress is, is having a negative impact on animals, on wildlife, on conservation efforts for that matter. Yes, we are using that now also, that same progress we're using to save the animals, which I, which I agree with. But the animals wouldn't have been in that state if we have not um, had these metropolitan cities and um, yes there's few animals that adapt to it I mean some birds breed in in in, um, in the rooftops and uh, you think of owls and, and swallows and sparrows I mean yes they've adapted certain cat species and uh, but we look at India and and, uh, and all the leopards that are being killed that, that invades the cities and start um, uh, catching the dogs in in the cities and then later the humans and interrupts and so so these poor animals are being maybe rightfully killed because a human life is more more um, important than than that animal's life i i don't i, I don't want to um, make a judgment on that if, if, if that's the right way to say it but yes that that is what what, what happens and um but um but the understanding that we must truly understand mm -hmm. that we have caused this, this and we are causing it on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, we need to do something to turn it back. Yeah, we're not going to stop. We're not going to break down the city. Definitely not. We, we, that, that, that I agree with. We've got to stay with, within the city idea and, and whatever. we're not going to go back 400 years or 500 years and we, we we're just going to wear skins and um, and walk bare feet that's not going to happen so what do we do now to turn back what we have available how we how do we have what we have available um and optimize it um for the sake of prosperity for the sake of what I started off with calling it genetic diversity. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I think you've touched on such important points and I think the way you've articulated, uh, I guess this is your life journey and you've in very short space of time articulated the, the journey of the artificial uh, or the assistive reproductive process. I mean, I had these four bullet points around, you know, artificial insemination, embryo flushing, um, vitro fertilization, cloning, nuclear transfer, um, and and the stem cell aspect of it, you know, which it's it's great to hear that it's great to hear that there is this uh, segmentation and there's this level of optionality available. Before I close the the session with you, because of course we could talk for hours about this. It's such a deep topic. I, I just want to ask you one or two questions, important questions. The first one is related to this concept of um, human, it's a human problem of resistance 
and agendas and politics. And I would be naive if I was to think that everything you're saying is just really, well, let's just get on and do it, you know, and it's really simple now because you've articulated it. What is holding this whole thing back? And maybe I'm, I'm asking you an obvious question, but it's important you say it. So what is stopping us from doing everything you've said today uh, for human factors? Unfortunately, um, politics. Uh, about how do I how do I survive in my my environment as a human being, and uh, and and how do I help that type of politics? Of course, finances is is really 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 important. I mean, I mean myself, I'm self funded. I mean, it's ridiculous why I'm self funded because I'm really trying to save this stuff for, for prosperity. So, so yes, I don't have this angle that a lot of guys with the right political connections, and I'm not talking about um, party politics, I'm sometimes talking about conservation politics or, or connections or the, or the right angle that they use. And uh, I'm just a vet. I'm just a reproduction specialist. That's, that's all I am. I, I don't have a, a platform where I can entice people with major um, sentimental things to, to say donate money. The problem is my, um, my world of um, assisted reproduction is not charismatic. It's not, it, it is a little bit over the top for a lot of people. And, um, but a rhino orphan is, is really charismatic. You, we, we have to help this rhino orphan. So it's easy to, 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 to splurt money into that, into that group. And people have to, because that rhino orphans need you. But it's easy. Mm. But if, if I tell them, listen, the only way that rhino orphan is going to get pregnant is if I do my technology on that rhino orphan. Then, yeah, right. you go, boy. You, you make that yeah. one pregnant. But, okay, but, but help. Sorry, you, you're on your own. The same thing with um, poached rhino as well. Seeing that animal being hacked and hacked to death and smelling that, that absolute death in the air. If you're next to a, you can see whatever pictures you like to see and show on, around the world. It, you can never experience it. Standing next to that poached dead rhino the birds in the in the air is not twittering. There's death in the air. There's a smell in the air. It's, it is shocking. But yes, also the people see it. It, it is so a lot goes for anti-poaching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So so it makes that first um, line of getting over the politics um, difficult. Because then people first got to understand, listen, this is actually also touching me, even if I'm in America or even if I'm in Europe. It does touch me as well as a, as a human being because it's part of the bigger picture, part of, part of life. The second line of that, now the guy is over that. Where do I spend the money? And a shocking um, result that, that is unfortunate, they did a... Uh, a survey or, a, or looking at, at, at um, people asking for money for, 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 for conservation efforts. And, and they found 110 platforms where people doesn't have a foot on the ground, but they ask for money. So that means it's hoaxes. So, so it's not real people behind it. It's not people like you and me, real people. It's a platform. and. Um, and, and then they get donations because they've got this wonderful website, da, da, da. So, so those are issues. And uh, then the other issue is, is really understanding um, what is the issue, really understanding. Like we started off with you asking me, just tell me quickly, what is this, what, where we are with endangered species and how people are divorced from that understanding which which makes programs like this so valuable because you, you're really getting out there to the people and telling them 
this is what's happening today, people. We've we got to have a concerted effort. And um, we don't leave it to the Leonardo DiCaprio's. Every one of us plays a role. Yeah, yeah. That's very powerful. I think, you know, what you've, what you've shared with us today, uh, Monet, is a, a very important message for all of us, people who are connected or not connected to the work that you're doing, to do something material, at a minimum, to be aware. You know, at Straight Talk, we talk about accelerating awareness. Sometimes that translate to, translates to action. Other times it doesn't always translate to action. What it does do, though, is enables one person to spread the message to the other, the other spread it to the other. And that network effect of a more consistent message around, well, actually, it is a problem. And yes, it is buried with the same issues that any great solution will be buried with politics and bureaucracy and charlatans and fake websites or websites that aren't actually, uh, you know, enabled with people on the ground. And actually the real workers, the real doers in the trenches like yourself, unfortunately, often, very often don't get the coverage, don't get the recognition and forget even the recognition, don't get the coverage and therefore don't get the resources. And so, our job today and why I wanted to bring you onto the show is, you know, we're, we're privileged to have your incredible knowledge and the depth of knowledge, but actually the way you've articulated it, it's enabled many people to understand it. And you've talked about a lot of important points today, Monet, and um, our job and our duty is to cascade this to as many people as possible. But our work is obviously definitely not done. Um, so what what do you believe is your core message to even those who are not in conservation, those who are not scientists trying to figure out the next method to drive reproduction in an endangered species? What should the layperson be doing at this point in terms of, I have a small bit. Uh, it's important we know. What would you say to someone? What should we do to help you? I'm, a, I'm an extremely strong believer in everything that you can do positive helps doesn't matter in what small percentage. People were flushing toilets and they put a brick in the back of the toilet so that they say one liter every time they flush is doing their bit. Um, I'm a very strong believer in, in doing it where you can, where, where you are and what, what bit you can do. If you can save one bird in the, in a, in a sky, that can fly from one area to the other area that can feed another animal somewhere else. You've done your bit. And I mean, we've got so many billion people in the world. So, so if, if every one person gives $1, we've got so many billion dollars, but, but meaning not dollar as not necessarily the, 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 the dollar in, in, rand va in, in dollar value, the, the, the doing their bit. And uh, the Chinese proverb that goes, every long journey starts with the first step. Take that first step, because then you can go on to the journey, your journey. And because my journey is different. I mean, I know what my journey is. I mean, I'm passionate about my journey, and I know I will, I will I've said it on some platforms as well, and, and I use it a lot. I might fail, but I'll never give up. I, I, will, I will die trying. And, uh, and if I don't succeed, my children will succeed. And, and that's the attitude that we have to have. Yes, it is bad and it is, yeah, this is negative and that's negative. No, no, but it's not all doom and gloom because there's people like you. After what you're doing, the, the fact that you are bringing message out to people, that is your calling. That is where you, take, you play a role. I mean, mm -hmm. the invaluable boldness about what you what you're doing is so impressive because yes yeah you can't get onto the plane and now you save 10 elephants somewhere or you can't get onto the plane and and uh, yeah. and, and and take a, a few anti-poachers or poachers down no 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 you, you have a calling with your skill set that what you are doing and getting the message out there and uh, so, so, so that for me is the message. Do as, as much as you can, but start doing where you are, what you can do with passion. I mean, I say 
you do everything you do with passion. Even if you sleep, sleep with passion. But but yeah. do everything properly, and uh, and then then you will reach, you will achieve. And I mean the the goals that you're working at for in school or in the world or whatever with your family or whatever, just do it. And I, I, I don't want to quite a famous Nike brand, but, but yeah, <laughs> just do it, man. And uh, but get out there and be passionate about it. I'm like, I've been hitting my head against the brick wall over and over and over again with this rhino reproduction stuff that we do. And uh, but it's fabulous because tomorrow I might br break through that wall. But if I don't do it, I'll never get through that wall. We must also remember a, a watch, an analog watch that stands still is twice a day it's correct. That doesn't mean if you stand still and you're twice a day correct, you are correct or you're moving. Yeah. A boat yeah. that, that, um, that moves make waves. Yes. yes. Only Always. dead fish from yes. downstream. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you've summed it up beautifully and thank you for everything you've said about straight talk. And uh, I was going to ask you what your feedback is on the session. I think you've already kindly shared that. And that means a lot to me and to the entire team. We're trying to do our bit. And this episode that we've recorded, I also want to tell you and the viewers, this is extraordinary because we've not really touched on this subject at all. I've done nearly a hundred shows with a hundred amazing people with a hundred amazing stories and a hundred amazing uh, life experiences. And this is the first time we've touched on this topic and I felt it was important to do it. It's outside of the, the norm of what we talk about. And that is why it's important we do it because it's about uh, the protection of civilization and, and uh, the ecosystem that we so value. And when I first spoke to you, I, I remember you telling me that this, this endeavor, like your purpose, the passion, that comes from your purpose and then the perseverance that's so obvious in, in your entire body language and your way of speaking, you know, is inspiring for people in whatever they do in their lives. This is one walk of life, uh, but people could be trying to do a breakthrough of science, some scientific breakthrough in another walk of life. Uh, I'm trying to do this where I'm trying to democratize the um, acceleration of awareness. I'm trying to say not everyone um, not only a small group of elitists should have access to privileged knowledge. Those days are gone. Now, with the internet and these platforms, everyone should know about these issues. And no one should feel like, well, I haven't got the IQ to talk to, to listen to Straight Talk and Dr. Mornay talk about cloning. Oh my God, it sounds too far out. I'm not smart enough. Absolutely not. And I think I'll borrow your point as to, you know, the, the action whatever tiny bit of action it may be. It could even be a repetition of this call and this show with another person. And it could be that person repeating it to another and then they say, hey, I didn't know anything about the, the fact that we only had two of these rhinos left. I didn't know anything about the fact that, wow, a lot of the techniques used in, uh, with animals is mimicking what we're using with human beings. I didn't know that this could be possible and it's being it's being done and, and et cetera, et cetera. So you, I've taken so much away from today and I am grateful for uh, the time you've given me and what you've shared with us. We will keep in touch for sure. And I'd love to make sure that the entire Straight Talk community of thousands of followers and viewers understand this. You may have to come back again at some point, if that's okay, to break down your progress over the next six months or a year. But uh, thank you so much for your time. Monet, thank you for uh, your passion to save save the planet and save species that uh, affect other species. The, th the, the one that affects the 300, again, a lot of people don't think about that. And, uh, you know, uh, long may your work continue and thank you for your time. And um, is there anything you want to say before we close off about this experience very quickly? Uh, just thank you so much. I mean, for me, it's, it really is an honor and... Uh... I mean, I'm just a little guy here in Africa trying to do my hardest and, and being able to be on such a famous platform and, and tell a little bit of my story and my thoughts. I really appreciate it. And, and, and I really would invite people. Um, I've got a platform called Rhino Repro um, for obvious reasons. 
and uh, which is on social media, which some students run for me. And 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 and, and go and follow us. Um, be aware of what we do and be part of be part of our journey. I mean, I'm, I'd love you to be part of of the journey that we go through. And uh, and every positive word that people say under and in the thing I read, really, I read every single one of them. And I thank people for, for the support. So thank you very, very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Rhino Repro, we'll, we'll publish all of this when we get the episode released as well. And um, hopefully you're on social media or LinkedIn, because we'd, we'd need you to actually share it with your community as well, so we can get the message out as far and wide as possible. Um, thank you so much for today. For, for our guests and our straight talkers, Please uh, go onto our channel on, on YouTube, click like, subscribe to the channel, get on LinkedIn, even go onto our website, straighttalk.live, www.straighttalk.live, join our community. And if you want to get hold of Monet, if you can't find him, then come to us, info at straighttalk.live, we'll connect you. There could be resources out there, Monet, there could be money, there could be support out there. Um, so we will make sure that's channeled to you wherever possible. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll sign off today and have a wonderful day ahead. Thank you to my straight talkers and to everyone who's been helping our cause and our mission.